Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, the All-Star break is over and the home stretch of the season has begun for the Colorado Avalanche. They play their first two games out of the break and drop them both, unfortunately. 2-1 loss in overtime to the New York Rangers and fresh off of a 5-3 regulation loss to a Jack Hughesless New Jersey Devils. Ah, the, the Devils one stings a lot more for me. The Rangers game... They look sloppy coming out of it. The Rangers look sloppy as well. Back and forth game. Georgiev kept a minute. Quick won the duel. And then against the Devils, sloppy as well. They still... It, it, that one's a very tough situation to be in where you're tired and also not back up to speed yet and can't rely on your systems. And they're able to push a comeback late to tie it at three, but just they can't get it over the finish line. Yeah, the the Devils loss is really the one that I think we'll focus on more because like you said that Rangers game I thought the Avs played a pretty structurally good game. Georgiev looked really good. It's just Jonathan Quick was phenomenal in that game and made some big time saves. And then in the game against New Jersey tonight, like Vitek Vanacek was good. Like he made a couple big saves, but you can't lose to Vitek Vanacek, the worst goalie according to the stats in the NHL right now. And that that second period from the Avs was one of the worst periods they've played in a very, very long time against the Devils tonight. Yeah, just they got completely almost run out of the building by the Devils in the second period, but they sandwiched it between a pretty solid first period, kind of fell apart late. But in the third period, outside of the goal, they generally dominated it, which is kind of in line for how most of their performances have gone this season but just kind of sucks coming out of the break because they, they went into the break looking pretty good. They kicked the shit out of the Caps and the Kings and had a solid game against the Flyers before that. Like, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but they McKinnon was rolling. He has his point streak end against the Devils in this game. And now it just kind of seems like we're working our way back to, to square one and having to, to figure this out pretty quickly. Just It's a repeat of what happened last year after the break. 
<laughs> and, and exact repeat. I think you tweeted it last night. After the All-Star break last year, they lost that heartbreaker to Pittsburgh where Francois balled out. And then the next game, I think they got blown out. And I can't remember who, too. Tampa. But Tampa, yeah. Like, it's it's a mirror image of it so far. <laughs> like, yeah, if anything, it was a little better because they I think they played a little better against the Rangers than they did against the Penguins last year. McKinnon right. had the only goal in that game, too, off of a beauty. And they got blown out by Tampa the game after yeah, that was the game remember we thought Andrew Cagliano like died three times yeah where he like he got his knee blown out and shoved into the boards he came back the same period yep next shift yeah Yeah. it's a mirror image and it was a fear me and you both had going into this all-star break where they were playing so well that I actually thought this break was going to hurt them and so far it's been tough to to knock off the cobwebs and it was weird because the abs were relatively healthy after like going into the break, like really the only guys out were Landeskog and Nachushkin. Yeah. Like, and if, if anything, they got reinforcements. Zach Parisi right. made his debut in these two games. And honestly, I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, did, it looked okay. Did, did you tell he's 39 out there? No, but I also just think hockey players are such like athletic freaks that honestly, I think there's a couple players who could play till they're like 45. Like Sidney Crosby could play till he's 45. I don't think his skills will diminish that much as he gets older, as we've seen so far. But when you're just a high-end athlete, when you're out there with other high-end athletes, it's it's kind of easy to tell. But I the way Parisi played, I just don't like that line. Like I feel like it's just a line that's kind of stuck right now. Like yeah. Ryan Johansson in this Rangers game, I, like we've talked about him enough. Uh, I thought he was okay in this New Jersey one tonight. He actually won a foot race in the third period, which I think you and I both were like, is that right? Are we sure that's Ryan Johansson? He won a puck battle like with his feet, but that line with Parisi, Johansson and Lekkinen, it just seems like all the other lines kind of fit. And then that line's just kind of like the the odd man out. I mean, it's an absolute Frankenstein of a line. Lekkinen missed two and a half months with a broken neck and played two games before the break and is still getting back up to speed. Zach Parisi's 39 and coming off the couch and has never played in the system before. And Ryan Johansson looks like he can't even skate at all sometimes. If He should be the one who's most up to speed, and he looks like the guy behind the play every single time. But we've, yeah. uh, we've had the Ryan Johansson conversation. We've had it hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. It's just one of those things where, like, we saw it in this New Jersey game where um, – Bednar did split up Drewan from that top line and put Lekkinen back up there. And it's just Lekkinen dessert. Like Lekkinen's too talented to be playing with Parisi and Johansson. We've talked about this. Yeah, but immediate result. Immediate of- result. And the thing was, is like, I don't think Drewan even played that bad tonight. I actually thought Drewan was probably one of the best players on that top line tonight. Like, he, he, he was set good. up the Miko goal in the yeah. first period. He set up the first goal of the game. He had two goal, two points in this game. So it's just it, until you can get a second line center it just feels like Lekkinen or Drewan are going to be the odd man out. And as much as I've loved the way Drewan's played this year, I want Lekkinen on that top line. I, I, I just want Lekkinen. He's, he just seems to be the better agitator. I know he's still getting his legs underneath him, but I think tonight was the first night you kind of saw like, all right, Bednar is ready to get Lekkinen back up on those top line minutes because frankly, he's better. And I get, he's coming back from broken neck, but until you get a second line center, one of these guys is going to be screwed. I mean, I think ultimately with Artari Lekkinen, it's not going to matter for him where he's playing just because he's the ultimate glue guy and can go play 
anywhere he wants and have it not be a problem because his skill set is everything essentially. So you can put him up there with McKinnon and Rantanen and get an immediate result where he bulldozes Luke Hughes behind the net and immediately frees up the puck. Doesn't even pass it to Kale. He just frees up the puck to Kale McCarr to put it into a wide open net to get them back in the game. And if you have to put him with Parisi and Johansson to keep Druan up there for just the, to, I don't even, I, don't even, I can't even speak. I don't even know what I'm trying to yeah. look for is for the greater good, I guess is he can do that too. I mean, that's what this team has been missing for so long with Arturi Lekkinen is just that guy that you can trust to do anything you need. Right. It's just, it's a weird dynamic. And like, I think Parisi is going to be a good piece. Lekkinen's obviously Lekkinen, Drew and surprise, but you're just missing that one player still. And once you get that one player, it's going to be a huge difference. I also thought in this game tonight against New Jersey, the Roaring Twenties line, one of their worst games they've had in a while. I, I did not feel like they were super effective in this game. Yeah, and I th- I think they would agree. I mean, they didn't play a ton. Wood played under 15. Colton played just under 19. O'Connor j- played just over 17 in the game. I mean, they're not going to be superstars every single no. game because also against the rangers they were one of the better lines they were great yeah but that's what i'm saying you just become so used to it that you do forget that this is supposed to be a third line right and they they played like a third line tonight yeah they definitely played like a third line in this game i mean against the rangers they almost scored like 20 seconds in yeah. the game and they just kept up the energy the entire time in a night where the top line just didn't really look like themselves and yeah i mean against the devils they start out strong. They falter late in the first period. The second period, they're just they're. I wouldn't even say they survived because they didn't. They had two goals scored against them after the goal got overturned, and they had to claw their way back into it. It's, just, it's not a generally a great way to go out there and try to win hockey games to put yourself in a two goal hole. But this team, they've got they're explosive enough that they can go and just erase stuff like that. And all it takes is one thing for them to have go their way. And like I said, there's not a lot other teams can do to stop it. And as long as they can keep that momentum rolling, then they're going to be fine. But just in this game, they had the momentum rolling in their favor and they couldn't take advantage of it. It's just, it's one bad break in the D zone and Byram falls flat on his face, leaving John Marino wide open and no one really realizing that he is wide open. And that's the difference. It's the difference in the game. And Yusuf Sandin got the start in New Jersey. He he was far from the reason why the Avs lost this game, but that first goal he gave up was brutal. Like that was that was a really tough goal to give up. Um, and that kind of sapped the early momentum because the Avs dominated in the first five minutes of that game. Like it was ten to two shots at one point, and the the Devils had scored on one of them, and that was brutal. Like you said, that final goal it, it's on the heels of that McKinnon breakaway that Vanacek makes a great save on. If McKinnon scores there, I think this game's over. Yeah. It's over. But it's just, it was kind of, the entire second period was a comedy of errors, and then the last two minutes of the third period were kind of a comedy of errors, too. Yeah, like they just didn't have what it took to get this game over the finish line, unfortunately. Like they they showed the flashes again where – they get one thing to go their way where Lekkinen frees up that puck and Kale McCarr is able to put it in. 30 seconds later, Sam Gerrard is wiring that one into the back and then all of a sudden the game's tied. Abs are rolling. The Devils have to rely on their goalie to make a couple saves, and he does. And the first chance that goes the other way gets 
but in in the back of the net it's, it's a tough way to to lose that game and one you you probably deserved to outshoot them 17 to 4 in the third period are the the abs got to be one of the like I wish there was a stat we could find of like dominating in third periods, like outshooting the opponent and still losing games. I mean, for the most part, they do win these. They do right. find ways to go and win games. And when this game was tied, I'm on Twitter talking about like the great teams just find ways a lot of time. And just because they didn't close this one out, that doesn't change how I feel about it. Like they still are able to find ways just with a little bit of space to get enough done to tie this game. And if it's just not for one breakdown, they're at least getting a point out of this game. Even if they lose it in overtime, you're walking out of a back-to-back with two points. It's two, two out of four. But... It's totally a different feel if they if they get this overtime point. Totally yeah. a different feel. But to, to give up that goal with just a little over two minutes to go in the game, like that's that's not enough time to reasonably expect there to be a comeback outside of a lucky bounce. Not the way this game was going. And yeah, it's it's a real tough way to lose. It's a tough way to lose. It just sucks because the Avs did it where I had gone to that third period. Like there's an outside chance they can do it. And then they have that third period and they get your hopes all the way back up and they just fall apart. Like if you would have told me going into the third period, the Avs would lose five to three. I'd be like, okay, they were down by two. Like it kind of makes sense. Just the way they lost makes it hurt even more because after that second period, you could have told me the Avs lose five one. I would have been like, yeah, who cares? But just the way they lost tonight with just coming all the way back and then losing, that hurt. Yeah. Just a real tough way to lose that game. There's been a lot of those this season where it's just like they're right there and it just gets away at the last second. I really do think they're right there. Like these games coming out of the break, they don't change my opinion on this team whatsoever. No, I think both these games are coin flip games and the abs yeah. just didn't get on the right side of the coin. Yeah. I, mean, I still think they're right there. They just get a little bit of help just a little more help down the middle. You give Georgiev a little bit of help in net. Cause like, I didn't hate Ananin in this game. I didn't like the first one. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough deflected puck, but it's not coming super fast. No, he, he didn't, he didn't slow motion, dude. Right. And he didn't react to it until the puck was already behind him. I at that point. And the, even like that beautiful goal, the devils had to give him the lead two to one. It was just, he is slow reacting to the shot because they're doing such a great job zipping the puck back and forth. He's slow getting across the third one. Like that's one you want to see him corral. Like they're not awful goals to give up. It's just the the little things that shows that he just, he doesn't have the confidence right now to be an NHL goalie going up against NHL players. And the ultimately the game winning goal I don't know how you're supposed to track that shot. I mean, that's not on him to cover the guy in the middle of the ice. You're expecting that shot to go far side. Somehow he, I think he, I think he wanted to go far side. He missed and shot it near side and just snuck it right inside the post. It's an accidentally perfect shot. There's nothing he can do on that one, but I felt like on the first three, there was just little things he could have done to be a little better, but this is where you are right now. You've got one goalie in your entire system that you can put in the net and rely on to win games. Because you've had backup goalies go in, and outside of one to two decent performances from Prozvatov, you've had to score four, five, or more goals to go out there and win those games. You can't win like that. You win sometimes when you're playing bad teams like Ottawa, but that's not a reliable way to go out and win hockey games. Like You you need a backup if you want to not run Georgiev into the ground. I know he likes to play, but you 
you need to have someone else. This yeah. is this is not a viable strategy. And eight sixty seven from Anandin tonight, which is just like that's even below what Georgiev sometimes does. And it it you're just not they're not there yet. They need a backup goalie. They need one ASAP. And you know, I I, I appreciate trying with Anandin and not just throwing Prozvatov back out there. If they tried Prozvatov again and you got the exact same result. I'd be way more frustrated than I am right now because you knew what you'd be getting. At least with Ananen, the justification makes sense. He's been playing with the Eagles. He's fresh. He's warm. He's giving you a better chance than Prozvatov is right now, who hasn't played in a month. They're just going to yeah. cycle these guys until they go out and get another backup goalie. But it's not making a difference right now. It's maybe a difference of one goal between the two. And 867 four goals against like you shouldn't every time your give is in the net, you shouldn't have to score five goals every single time to have a chance. It's just, it was a tough game, man. And uh, like, like I said, I, I actually on and in after that first goal, I actually thought he was okay. The the thing that's crazy to me and like, we can switch to the devils a little bit here. Like Nico, he does he not feel like overrated and underrated at the same time? He's, he feels like kind of like a glue guy, just does all the the right, right things, even if he doesn't have super sexy numbers. I mean, I, I thought he sure was great in this game. Oh, he was, he was great tonight. He, yeah. he looked like a dominant player, and he shut down McKinnon. Like that, yeah. I, I give credit to the Devils. Their game plan against McKinnon was really good tonight. He sure was really good. Luke Hughes made a couple phenomenal plays for a rookie defenseman with McKinnon barreling down on you. I thought he played really well. Um, it's just – you shouldn't have to rely on McKinnon getting three points a night to win you a game. I mean, the Devils had a solid game plan. Like you said, they just locked right in on Nathan McKinnon. And he still had several chances. He oh, probably yeah. still should have had two goals in this game on the breakaways, but Vanacek didn't blink when McKinnon came barreling down on top of him. And no one else really stepped up to try to take the load off. And like there was room on the ice when Nathan McKinnon was out there because they constantly had guys glued to his hip, but no one was able to do anything with that space and credit where it's due for the devils. I, I thought they played really well. In oh this yeah. Game. They played a really good game. And Especially, still, I think the app should have won that game. Yeah, they should. I mean, they didn't have Jack Hughes yeah. like that at the end of the day, the devil's not having Jack Hughes. You should win that game. Yes. No matter how good their game plan is. Of course, they're have a good game plan. I mean, it's an NHL team with NHL players. Of course, they're going to go out there and perform. Like you just, you need to be prepared for things like that, especially when this team is healthy. Yeah, second half of a back-to-back. But when you're able in the third period, which is the hardest part of the second half, when your legs are the most tired, to go out there and tie that game and have them up against the ropes, to give that game up like that, that like that's a tough point to, to give up in that situation, especially when Winnipeg gets shut out against Pittsburgh tonight and the Stars just barely hold on against the Sabres. And by in terms right now, the stars are winning the central because they have the games played advantage. And this is just what's going to be. Every single point is going to matter in this race. Like you go back to a lot of these other games that the abs have had to have massive third period comebacks in. If they don't win those games, they're comfortably in third right now. Yeah, very comfortably. Like, like almost kind of locked into third if they don't have some of those games in their favor right now. But again, that shows the importance of you got to finish out games like that. Otherwise, it's going to start to to add up. It's a point that if you just get that, you're on top. You're winning the Central right now. And 
when it gets down to the end of the season, one to two points might be the difference between winning it and starting on the road. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, that's really what it's going to be. So um, I don't think I have any other thoughts about this game other than I'm still kind of pissed off and talking about it has felt kind of nice. Uh, that we talked about, but that hit by Arturi Lekhan on Luke Hughes, that, that should be shown in uh, every peewee. Like that was a perfect body check, no head contact, just a great hit. And Luke Hughes, for as good as he is and as good a skater he is, he puts himself in those positions a lot. Yeah, I think he's adjusting to the NHL. I mean, in the, yeah. just the two games the Avs have had against the Devils this season, he's gotten absolutely run over because right. he's put himself in some really bad spots. I mean, remember the the Colton hit on him in the first game where yeah. like he just puts himself in a suicide position. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's a it's it's a total heads down play from a rookie in that situation. And Luke Hughes has all the talent in the world. He he's he's going to be one of the best defensemen in the league. And probably in as soon, maybe even as soon as next season, give him five years, he's probably going to be a Norris conversations. But just little things like that, where it's just his his awareness isn't quite there yet. No, and you, it's even bad when the broadcaster, like before the hit even happens, you hear John Bucciagras going, "Oh, look out, look out!" And it's oh, just, man. It's just uh, I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, I was about to tee you up for that. I was like, yeah. "This is your usual." We had an ESPN Plus game tonight. And the production was terrible. And for those of you who don't know, Griffin works in production. So Griffin, the floor is yours to complain about just how terrible ESPN Plus is. It just, you wouldn't think this stuff is that complicated. The, the, the kind of things that they get wrong makes my brain melt out of my ears. Do you guys not test your microphones before the game where you have two goals less than four minutes into the game and his mic is peaking to kingdom come do you not test before the game and then tell your audio guy hey let's put a little bit of a limiter on this one so we don't blow out half the country's speakers and i swear to god they brought back the camera guy from the seattle series <laughs> this guy makes me want to fucking throw up keep a keep a i can't even talk right now it's making me so annoyed right now just keep a frame and stick with it for the game. You don't need to keep zooming in and out. He keeps losing the puck. I don't like. I know ESPN hockey's not their top priority, but come on. I've seen college basketball games. I've worked college basketball games with higher production quality than these games, where they, they test their shit, they keep their frames centered. It's just an an absolute mess. There are times the audio sounds like it's coming through a ham radio. <laughs> yeah i mean it was it's just it's not the greatest and it's just even more frustrating because you watch like the football and basketball broadcasts and they're nearly flawless they're fl I've, 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 been, thrown... I've been on all sides like i have seen the professionalism that goes into a good quality broadcast i've also seen just how little it takes just to make sure everything's correct you know right. Make sure your mics are working. Make sure your cameras are centered kind of thing. Or it's just like a lot of work goes into it to make sure everything's working well. And of course, things are going to break down every now and again. But it just takes a little extra effort to just make the broadcasts a little more bearable, to not have shaky cam every time the puck is in the neutral zone kind of thing. Right? It just it makes me want to rip my own face off. Or it's just like, this is not that hard. It's not like it's hard and, I'm, and credit to everyone who works on those productions. I'm sure they work their ass off and this is not a slight on them. It's a slight on their bosses who don't give a shit and yeah. don't 
put in the work to the extra details. Everyone working on those productions is doing their damnedest. I I am sure of it. Yeah, they're probably given like the least amount of tools out of any of the four professional sports yeah. to put in like a broadcast. I, I imagine the people that work on those broadcasts are 50 times more frustrated than I am with any of this. Can you imagine being a producer on that event and those first two goals going? And you're just like, how the fuck did we not test the mics? Because here's the thing about John Bucciagross. He may not be the greatest play-by-play guy, but when a goal happens, he's going to fucking scream. Yeah, he's like, going he's, he, he's to scream. Yeah, he's going to yell and scream about it. Like, I can have my problems with him as a play-by-play commentator all I want, but at least he, he's excited. Yeah, you know? like, he's going to scream. Like, that should be the first thing. All right, we got Bucci on the call. He's he's going to be loud. Like, how, how do we have our mics cut out? But um, overall, I think we only have, like, two or three ESPN Plus games left. Yeah. And we'll go these, from there. these games are also such a pain because it's it's like a full minute behind everybody else oh yeah it sucks evan's spoiling it for everyone it's like you go on twitter and it's like wait a goal happens how did a goal happen i'm still in commercial break like what the fuck's going on here man i was like well i might as well prep the tweet just to yeah. try to be on time but yep and t- try and be a little bit uh a little bit like like you said on time did we talk about the the goaltender interference call in in the game uh, we were gonna, we were gonna save it for this but yeah we mentioned it and we we can talk about it here. Goalie interference is it's such a strange, bizarre little rule. However, the goal for Josh Manson that gets called back in this game that would have put the Avs up two to one less than a minute into the second period, called back because of goalie interference on Logan O'Connor. I know Timo Meyer like gently pushes him in. I don't think that's enough of a push from Timo Meyer in this situation to overturn that goal. And I also, I, I don't think Logan made enough of an effort to get out of the crease for the officials to give him the benefit of the doubt. Did Vitek Vanacek try super hard to break the contact? No, it's his crease. Like it, the, the onus is going to be on O'Connor to get out of that situation. It's not going to be on Vanacek to, get over or let go of the stick or anything. The benefit's always going to go to the goalie. Do I agree with that rule? Not really, but that's kind of what it's always been. If anything, it's somewhat consistent with what we've seen from other goaltender interference calls in the past, which I can appreciate, but I understand the frustration around it. I mean, goaltender interference in general is just a stupid fucking rule that doesn't really make any sense, but We've seen much worse than that one. If the, if the shoe's on the other foot, we'd be pissed. Yeah, shoe's on the other foot, we'd be pissed. I also just think they should do what they fucking do in the NFL. And just if, if there's a goal, it's automatically reviewed and they determine right away. Yeah. Instead of having to go through the whole five-minute delay of the game. Because honestly, I think that's what affects the teams more. Is the abs are riding high at the momentum. If you have that call reversed in a minute by Toronto, then... Boom. It's just you're right back into the play. That was like a five to six minute delay. And all of the little momentum the abs had after that goal, it was completely gone. Yeah. Like every single goal should immediately have someone putting a microscope on it. Like it it should not be up to the video staffs on each team to have a full minute to this. Remember the final played against Tampa where they just let Tampa have like two minutes to decide if they wanted to challenge a goal or not. And eventually they just decided to not challenge it anyway. Like, yeah, I think it probably should just end up being automatically reviewed or go fuck yourself. You missed it. Do your fucking job and call goalie interference when you see it the same way as offsides. It's like, you, 
you put so you put so much emphasis on video review that refs don't feel the need to look. Correct. Like if That's they if they point. miss it, they're gonna know about it. And they're just gonna go back and review it. And you know, it's like ah, oh, we missed it. We'll get it back in the next time, even if it puts a five minute stop on the game. It's annoying. Yeah, puts the honus on the refs, and just because uh, it's also one of those things. Like I don't think a coach should be like penalized if there's a challenge and it's it's wrong. Like it should just be automatically reviewed. Like kind of like they do in soccer where they do the VAR bullshit. If we're going to do replay reviews in sports, it should just be like they have that whole war room in Toronto that are already watching every fucking millisecond of a game. Just do that. And it goes from there. But like after that goal gets called back, you you saw the abs just they died. Like that the rest of the second period after that was terrible. Yeah. I mean, you can very easily pin that as the most crucial point of the game where that goal gets overturned and the devils just turn on the gas the rest of the way and the abs had no answer for them for the rest of the period i mean bednar was pissed about it after the game too i mean he he thought it was a goal and he thought that was a big turning point of the game and it's hard to argue like that that goal goes in and then comes off and pretty much five minutes later the devils are up too yeah the blink of an eye it was if you didn't see uh bednar's postgame comments uh evan tweeted it out it was a very like that's the most upset you'll ever see jared bednar about a goal call yeah. Like that may be Jared Bednar complaining about officiating. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that he's speaking up now. Like one of my, one of my only problems with Bednar in the past is like shit would happen to the team and he'd just like shrug it off and be like, ah, it's not a big deal. Like I appreciate this year that he's been coming out in defense of his team. Like even if it's a 50, 50 call like that, like, you know, be a little mad about it. It's okay. It's all right to stand up for your guys. It was funny. I, I thought that whole thing was funny, but I, I do agree. Like, that was goaltender interference by, by what we've seen this year. I'm, I can't be upset with that call. I just hope that if the after put in that situation later on in the year and Georgiev gets bumped into, I want that call to be the exact same. Yeah. That that's the only thing I've ever has. Like if that's the rule, it's the fucking rule. Don't change it. If someone gets bumped into the crease and they're just kind of chilling there and you know, they're not making a super big effort to get out of the way. If Georgiev's in that situation, that should stay the same. Yep. That's the, the only thing I ask. Because if that if that changes later, then I'm going to be even more pissed about it. Correct. All I'm asking for is a little bit of consistency. But yeah. yeah. And I will say, as we close out this game, I want the Devils in the playoffs because I do think they're a fun team. I think they've just been snake bitten by injury. I would much rather watch the Devils in the playoffs than the Flyers. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, but once they get Jack Hughes back, they're in striking distance, so they very well might make it. They've suffered through a lot of injuries this season. If they could just get some saves, they'll be in a good spot. But yeah, Devils game, real tough one to give up. Would have been a lot easier to stomach if the Avs just got over the finish line against the Rangers the night before. Very good 2-1 overtime game that was 1-0 for a strong majority of it. And you have that beautiful goal from Nathan McKinnon to put the Avs up one nothing. And just trading chances back and forth for most of the game. Structurally, the Avs seemed decent in this game. There was definitely points where they just seemed a little bit off, but they kind of lose their legs in the third period. The Rangers are all over them. A shot from Panarin just gets through Georgiev, and they they survive the rest of the period, oh. honestly. And in overtime, they had their chances. Makar had a chance five seconds in to win it, took, took a slash on the hands. That, that shit just doesn't get called. I mean, I, honestly, like you can complain about that not being called. There was not a penalty called after the first period. Yeah. It, it, it was, I was cool with it. Like if they aren't going to call shit, don't call shit. And they didn't call shit the rest of the game, which I'm, I'm cool with. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in that situation, I mean, you can be mad all you want, but that's the objectively correct thing for the Rangers to do in that situation. Right. You, you're getting burned by Kale McCarr in overtime, you slash him on the hands. Worst case scenario, you take a penalty and you take your chances on a power play rather than letting your goalie deal with him one-on-one, or you get away with it, which they did. And turns out the rest of the way, that turned out to be a big difference. And, I mean, just my main takeaway from the game is Jonathan Quick is I don't know what happened to him last year, but he's fully come back. He had a great game and the play he makes in overtime, it just takes a little bit of a fumble from, from Ross Colton on a breakout pass. And Jonathan quick is on it immediately and snaps right to the puck sets up the Rangers for another opportunity in overtime. And Lafreniere just cut to the middle and he beat Georgiev on the blocker side to give the Rangers the win. It's just, it's such an elite play from Jonathan quick that that kind of confidence only comes from well over a decade of experience and being the best at your position time after yeah, time. Didn't Colton and almost bat it out of the air too. Almost. That, yes. Almost it was, it's a, da- it's a dangerous play. That is a ballsy move from your goalie in overtime. And you have to be sure of yourself that you know what you're doing. Jonathan quick has seen a thing or two in the NHL. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He knows he's going to get to that puck. He's sure of himself. Like, you're telling me a 27-year-old goalie is going to go out there and do that? Absolutely fucking not. That's just an, an elite heads-up play from Jonathan Quick. The second that puck got through Ross Colton, I knew that game was over. Yeah. Yep. It was. It, I thought Miko did okay on the back check, but like you said, Lafreniere just – it was a great play by Zabinijad, setting it up, takes Tavon Taves out of the play. And Miko was in good position. It was just a great move by Lafreniere, and he beats Georgiev far post. It, it was a perfect shot, and that's what it took to beat Georgiev in this game were two perfect shots. Yep. I mean, you can say what you want. The Panarin one I, was lucky. I, I, I think if he shoots that 100 times, he only makes it 95 out of them. It was just a lucky-ass shot that Georgiev couldn't track. And then the overtime one, yeah, I mean, he, he's in a good position. The, he's kind of screened by two of his own players, and it results in a goal, and that's right. the difference in the game. Great shot. I mean, just overall, that sequence from the Rangers, you can't really execute that any better. But just from Quick all the way to Lafreniere at the very end, Quick gets it to Zabanajad and drops it to, to Lafreniere. It's just, it's a perfect shot. Yeah, I mean, tough, tough to give credit to the Rangers and the Avs. They had plenty of opportunities to go find a way to win that game. I mean, the Rangers did all they needed to do in that game. And you get a goal from McKinnon early on. You get a 931 from Georgiev. Just every everything else was just a little sloppy, little step slow, almost like most of them were in Cancun for the last week. And just the the kind of thing that especially after the Devils game, you hope gets ironed out pretty quickly. Hope gets ironed out. And this is still my take. I don't think the Rangers are that good. I really don't. Like they're I think they're a good team. I don't think they're gonna get out of the first round. I think I think you can really say that about every single East team, honestly. Yeah. Like I, 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 you can tell me the same thing against the Bruins. I'd, I'd absolutely believe you. I really don't see any single East team as like, oh man, these guys are just dangerous. Yeah, because the, the Bruins just lost to the Flames today. Yeah, Jonathan Huberto, three points in that game. Yeah, Huberto's back? <laughs> back. Kuzmenko scored in his first game with the Flames. I mean, the Panthers, they lost to the Flyers today. Mm-hmm. Like it just. The, the Maple Leafs blew a lead against the Islanders yesterday or blew that, didn't blow the lead, but they tied the game and gave up the game late in regulation. Now they're tied with the Red Wings at the bottom of the the Atlantic division. Like there's not a single team in the East that I, I really think is a super huge juggernaut. Like what we've said about the Rangers 
can all still be true and they might still end up in the final. Like just, it just, just I watch them and I'm just like, this team's not very good. Like they're, they're solid, but I, I just don't think they're, they're very good. And did you see the thing that Dolan said today? It yeah. came out on inside trading. They aren't going to trade their first round pick because he owns the Las Vegas sphere. And that's where the draft is going to be next you year. You part of the sphere, but yeah. Yeah. And he wants the Rangers to be able to make a pick in the sphere. What a like if I'm a Rangers fan, I am livid because I this, would be fucking pissed. That yeah, is because like a, you said, even though this team kind of isn't that great, the East really isn't that great either. If you get a first round pick and get a good forward, this team could very well, like you said, be in the final. Yeah, like this if anything, this might be the year to go all in if you're the Rangers, even though they did that last year. But the East is a lot more wide open than it was last year. Everyone's so close. You just put a little bit of separation, that might end up being the difference. And to to hold on to it just because you want to spend 10 seconds to make a pick in the sphere. I mean, if you want to hold on to your pick, that's one thing. But for the express purpose of picking a player, that's silly. It, it cracked me up when I saw that. I was like, that's such a James Dolan thing to do. Um, like, but stay, yeah. stay, out, stay out of your general manager's business. You don't right. have to James Dolan has never known shit about any of this. Honestly, Chris Drury could do the most badass thing ever and still just trade it and be like, fire me. Like, like, like fire me I'll, I'll put my fucking nuts on the line with this playoff yeah. run if i bring you a cup you'll shut the fuck up right fire me that's why i do yeah. it it's just so funny but overall like i actually thought the abs played decent in that game it was just it was a coin flip game and you didn't come up on the right side of it and you had your chances but now you look at the start of this road trip oh one and one not great and the games don't get any easier the rest of this way well one of them does but most of them are pretty difficult. That's right. We play the Caps. <laughs> yeah. The, that is the easiest win of the season. The Caps are terrible. Yeah. Ovi scored though. Yeah, he scored. They lost five to two. I mean, it's a great result for me. Yeah. Ovi scored and they're, they're close to realizing this team is nowhere near competing and they're falling out towards the lottery. Yep. That's the best possible thing to happen. But yeah, to your point, uh, there is no time to cry about this game because on Thursday, your third game in four nights out of the break, you are playing the Carolina Hurricanes who, I mean, just lost to the Canucks off of a crazy uh, carom today and lost that game 3-2. to two. Elias Lindholm with two goals for the Canucks in yeah, his debut. That. Yeah, uh, we don't need to talk about that too much. But yeah, Carolina, is, those are always some of the best games of the season. The Avs are going to need to be fully on their toes for that game and should be a pretty fun one. And here's hoping they, they've shaken off the rust. I mean, that's that's the thing about these two games is they're, they're a wake-up call. Yeah, you're not where you were going into the break where you're firing on all cylinders and McKinnon is scoring hat tricks every single night to cover up problems like this team's got to get it together pretty soon because if this if this road trip doesn't go well, that's six games right out of the break that you can't get back. Yeah, you got to find a way to go 500 on this road trip. If, you can. Go, if you can go three, two and one, I, I'm cool with that. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The Avalanche have been rolling lately as we get to the second half of this season. If you want to put your money where your mouth is as a fan, you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, 5 bucks and get 200 instantly 
in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get access to this offer of 5 bucks on any NHL game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to win that game against the Caps. Let's just pencil that one in and say they're 1-1-1 right now. And Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, you got you to gotta find ways to win those games because none of those teams are invincible. They're good teams. Carolina struggled for most of the season, but they're still hanging around towards the top. The Panthers, they've cooled off a lot lately and obviously they lost that game to the flyers today and tampa's looked a lot better but they are still very vulnerable the abs playing their best version of hockey will win all of those games the only team that has been able to beat them recently is themselves yeah this carolina one i think is going to tell us a lot if they can beat carolina i'll feel good going into that florida and tampa game if it this carolina game is going to be fun carolina's goaltending is not actively losing them games anymore so that's going to be a big difference. Cause if you remember in the first game, didn't we score like six or seven goals against them? And that, yeah, was, that game was a mess. Yeah. Like the, honestly the pant or the hurricanes outplayed the abs, but they could not get a save. And I think they lost seven to three was the final score in that one. So Carolina's a really good team at home coming off a loss. I don't know. Do you think they have an answer for McKinnon? I just don't think they do. I mean, if they're, I mean, they might just do what the Devils did in this game and try to to lock him down. You're gonna need your your Roaring Twenties line to step up again, and yeah, you're gonna need more guys other than McKinnon to to step in and make a difference. I'm sure McKinnon's gonna get one, maybe even two in this game. But Carolina's good. Like there's there's gonna have to be more than just your top guys in this game. That's just how it's gonna be. Just how it's gonna be, and I always just like. Am I missing something when I'm watching these games? Like, how is Miles Wood not playing more? Like, am I missing something there? I mean, he's just so noticeable every time he's on the ice that you notice every time he's right. on the ice compared to other guys. Yeah, I, I just I would like to see him up at like 16, 17 minutes, but yeah, that's just I think, I think this was really more of a one. Miles Wood generally does play a little more than that. I mean, against the Rangers, he played 16 and a half minutes. It's true. Honestly, like I don't want to break up that Roaring Twenties line, but Arturi Lekkinen would fit in on that line pretty damn well. I mean, Arturi Lekkinen's going to fit in anyway. Yeah, he's going to fit anywhere. He's going to he's going to fit in on the top line if you have to put him with Parisi and Johansson. He's still going to do his damn job. Like that's not going to stop him from doing anything. But even just finishing out on it, I know I've said so many times, like, yeah, they fell short in these games, but when you have McKinnon scoring that kind of goal he did against the Rangers and Georgiev, where he's he's got his confidence back, where he's he's Flashing that poke check again on Blake Wheeler, the same one he had against Connor McDavid in the skills competition. That he won, by the way. You know, he went out there. We said, how's Georgiev an all-star? And won himself $100,000, you know. Pretty good. He got paid to go to Toronto, which, I mean, he's one of the few players who can say that. Yeah. It's like I said, paying to go to Mexico. He went to Toronto and got $100,000. If there's one thing to help your confidence, it's, you know, a cool 100 racks. Like, that doesn't hurt whatsoever comes back doesn't hurt and shutting down the best player in the world one of the best players in the world Uh, that's pretty cool too yeah Uh, it comes back against the rangers into his building yeah he doesn't get the win but he played damn well and he's played damn well in the last couple of games yeah like that is 
more than anything, the biggest development on this team is that Georgiev has bounced back as of late. And this game against Carolina, if he can do it again, now that's a trend that Georgiev has been bouncing back for the last several games. Because if he, if he falters and is under 900, that's a soul crusher, especially for him. He needs to have another good performance. And I think he will. I think he will, I think he will too. I really I think, think this game's will. another low-scoring one, though. I don't think we're going to see a ton of goals in this game. I'm going to say the Abs win 3-2 in a shootout. I think they get a shootout dub. I I I also think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it ends in regulation. I think you're going to get your one from McKinnon. I think you're going to get one from your Roaring Twenties line. I think Zach Parisi is going to get one. I've I liked, like that. I've liked him in these games. Like, yeah, he's not perfect, but he came out against the Rangers and he he knew what his job was. He's throwing the body out there. He's getting pucks on goal and he's figuring out his place in the system. I think he's just going to be in the right place, right time, and just put a puck into a wide open net or something. I, I also think three, two, but I think they're going to win it in regulation. I like that. I, I just, I think the last like two or three times we've played in Carolina, they've just been phenomenal two, one hockey games where it's, there's tons of chances. The goalies are just making miraculous saves. I think we're going to see a close one to that. I think the abs tie it late and then they went in a shootout. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, those games against Carolina are, are always going to be, uh, in Carolina, when we play them in Colorado, we always kick the shit out of them. But in yeah, Carolina, they're, they're fun, but they're always a mess. The yeah. ones in Carolina tend to be a pretty big toss up for the most part. So that game should be a lot of fun. And then the game against Florida on Saturday, we'll cover that after the Hurricanes game leading into the rest of the week. It's nice to not have a back to back for at least a, another month. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a back to back against Is it Winnipeg, Minnesota, or no? It's a Calgary, Vancouver, all both on the road. So that's going to be pretty brutal, but. Yay. <laughs> I mean, you got a chance here for the rest of the month. None of these games are particularly easy, but you're able to go into them not at a massive disadvantage and be able to to get your legs under you. I mean, the Avs, they don't have an, an easy schedule down the stretch. According to, to Tankathon, they had the seventh hardest schedule remaining in the NHL so far this season. So, I mean, they're ramping up. For the playoffs right now, we've got what thirty-two games, thirty-one games left for the end of the season. I mean, we're we're going to be there faster than we think. We still got two games against the Canucks, two games against the Stars. We haven't played the Oilers at all, which is bizarre. Like we haven't? No, we have not played the Oilers once. What the fuck, dude? That's crazy. I think two of them are in April, so I think we play them like we didn't even play them this month. We play them in March, I think, and then we play them in April at the very end. So yeah, we're going to be saving those matchups for the very end. So this team's going to be ramping up to playoff mode pretty quickly. Yeah, that's crazy. I would have sworn we played the Oilers already. Guess not. And we're just always talking about them. So it feels like that sometimes. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this team in this next stretch. How I think they're good. I think you think they're good that we're going to see if they are as good as we think. Yep. I've, I, I am I'm still am where I am on this team was I, I think they are one of the best teams in the league they just need to figure out a couple things and I've said a million times they just need a little bit of help just a little bit closer just a guy that is not named Ryan Johansson I, I don't know how they move on from that contract in the middle of the season they're probably gonna have to dump a premium pick to do it but if they just even if it's Adam Henrique like it's not gonna blow the doors off guy just a guy that can play 
could be a, a world of difference on this. Where's Derek Broussard when you need him? Right. It's, that, that's actually a great question. I have no idea what Derek Broussard is right now. Is he even in the league anymore? I don't think so. He's my, he's my, he's my go-to uh, Pukdoku answer. Yeah. I think yeah. I've used him like 20 times. Yeah. Where's Derek Broussard when you need him? But Derek Broussard is an, is an unrestricted free agent. Hey, He's there maybe, for the taking. So. Maybe. Get the band back together. That was right. funny. He played, what, like 20 games for us? Yeah, 20 games right on the mark. He had four goals. Oh, Broussard. Great player. I remember when we got him, I was like, that's the piece. And it's like, no, he's declining skills. There's a reason why the Rangers traded him for – didn't they trade him for Zabinijad? Yeah, that was the the original trade back in the day where he was on the Rangers for a hot minute. I mean, he had 60 and 58 points, and he went to the Senators and just wasn't very good after yeah, that. They could, what they I could. always remember about Brassard is he literally just switched locker rooms when he got traded. Yeah. He was on the Panthers and just crossed. He was on the Panthers and then came over. And yeah. then that was the game. I remember that game. Zadorov laid out a player and ended up costing the abs the game. Oh, mm-hmm. Nikita Zadorov, good times. Oh, well. But I don't – do you have anything else about these two games, anything on the Hurricanes before we move on to the rest of the NHL? No, I think we've just about covered it these last two games. Yeah, I mean, we spent almost an hour just talking about those two, which is longer than I thought we would. That's the, Honestly, that's usually what we do. Yeah, usually what we do. Uh, as we are recording, the Oilers and Knights are tied 1-1. The Oilers going to tie the all-time win streak record. Very weird that that's even happened. I feel like this has been such a quiet thing in America that they're going to do this. Yeah, that really did sneak up on me that like they went from seven points to they're about to pass the 95 Penguins for longest win streak ever. Right. Just came out of nowhere. Yeah, unfortunately for them, it lined up with the the All Star break, so they couldn't just go straight through. I mean, this game against Vegas is has been a great game from what I've been able to watch with the sound off while I'm trying to multitask and do my my podcast at the same time. Not a great combination, as you can probably not tell. a great combination. And also, I'm watching this game, and Aiden Hill's good, but he is so scrambly in net. Like, have you watched him just like running around? He's basically running around like a toddler in his crease. It's actually crazy. honestly, he reminds me of Jonathan Quick with just how squirrely he is. Sometimes. Yeah, I got a little bit more Andre Fleury vibes. Yeah, for some guys, it just works to just look like you were about to have a heart attack every time a puck comes your way. Yeah, he's just a grinder. But who knows? By the time you're listening to this, this game will already have ended. I'm gonna say the Oilers win just because Vegas really hasn't done jack shit in this game. And I think they're going to tie it and they have a chance to break it Saturday in LA. It's Friday. It's Friday against Anaheim is the first one. And then they have oh, it's Friday. Oh, I was looking at the national TV schedule. Yeah. Well, if, if they win this game, it's going to be a nationally televised game against Anaheim. Oh, really? And then they have the second half of the back-to-back against the Kings. Yeah. But the Oilers, I, I just found that that's how terrible they were. They're about to have an 18 game win streak. 36 straight points and they still are in third division yeah. which is crazy but uh yeah good for the oilers uh i don't know they i fucking hate the oilers that's just all i have to say about that and the other big news uh, it hasn't officially been announced yet but it was leaked today that the 2025 jesus christ that's weird to say uh winter classic will be held in wrigley field and it will be the chicago blackhawks versus Drum roll, the St. Louis fucking blues. What are we doing here, man? Just uh, We both called the Blackhawks thing yep. right off the bat. The second they didn't announce it right after the, the Kraken in Vegas winter classic, 
we knew it'd been long enough. Bedard's back. They're doing everything they can to put Bedard absolutely everywhere. It doesn't make it less stupid. This is a total waste of everyone's time to put the Blackhawks in a seventh outdoor game. But at least with the marketing perspective of Connor Bedard, I understand. I don't get the blues at all. They were they just did this. They were just in an outdoor game against Minnesota. They hosted the Blackhawks like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that that wild blues game kicked ass, but the blues were also good and the wild were good. Like that was two playoff teams. That was the year the Avs won the cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I don't get the envy of the blues coming in there because it's not like the blues are still the blues. Like they are a skeleton of their former selves. It's just such an uninspired matchup. Like, no, I love what you said before we started recording. They don't want Connor Bedard to get a shit kicked in, in that game. Right. That's all it is. Like the, at the end of the day, this winter classic is all about putting, putting Connor Bedard in the national spotlight. That is all it is. You don't have to read into it any more than that. And they didn't want to put a team like the abs in there because let's be honest, the abs would kick the shit out of them in a winter classic game like that. They're, they would be praying that that game's not six to two by the end of it. And they can't get away with putting the ducks or the sharks in there to have it actually be a competitive sharks would be fucking funny. It would be hot sharks. It would be hilarious. If that happened, the blues are a compromise where it's like, they're not terrible, but they're not great. And they have just a big enough fan base where it's going to get some views. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a past rivalry. They've had playoff series. There's enough history between the teams. It's why they did a winter classic between them before. Right. It's it's just such an uninspired matchup. We've been to Wrigley field already. It's, I know we predicted the Chicago, but now seeing it like actually announced, you just, it's, it's the squid room. It was like daring today. Aren't we really? Man. It makes no sense. We, we've talked about it. I don't even think the Winter Classic could have been saved by any team playing in it. I, I just think the Winter Classic's kind of lost its appeal. It's I, I just... think I really think it like the outdoor game shtick is is over. I mean, yeah. g- give me your dream Winter Classic right now that gets you excited to go and watch that game no matter what. I mean, I would love to see the Avs versus Vegas in one. We already saw it though. Right, but like, is like you put that together. Is that I mean, Avs Oilers? I would win a classic would kick ass. Would, yeah, that would be great. But obviously, as Avs fans, that's where we're talking. Like, is that the matchup that's going to bring in a massive crowd, like casual crowd? I, th- I think it has a better chance than Blues Blackhawks. Well, no, Chicago is such a massive market that they'll they'll still probably kick the shit out of the ratings. Even though I thought Vegas Seattle was a good, like a decent matchup. Like that, the ratings for this one compared to the Chicago one will be. Yeah, this Winter Classic is going to rate a lot better than Seattle and Vegas did, but at the end of the day, it's just there's there's no interest around this anymore. Like there's, it's it's a hockey game that's played outside. Like, (laughs) I mean, really, that's what it is. And 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 it was cool the first, honestly, several times. Honestly, for a solid like eight year period, it was pretty cool. I think the stadium series kind of ruined the allure of it. Yeah, there, like there should be no other outdoor games. This should be the one. Like you, there are times like the stadium series is honestly pretty good. Like the 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 two years they did it with the Flyers and the Penguins back to back pretty recently was pretty cool. As someone who went to a stadium series game between the Cavs, I've only been to stadium series games. They're yeah. fun. Yeah, they're fun, but they also shouldn't exist. If we yeah. want the allure of the Winter Classic, then we should not have the stadium series because it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. And honestly, the stadium series matchups this year are better than what the winter classic was. Yeah. Because this is what the winter classic should be. It's like, it pretty much should only exclusively be matchups like the Rangers and the Islanders. Right. Where it's just like rivalries that are easy to sell, like to a casual fan base, you can still tune into that and watch that. Just it's new. It's New York versus long Island. It sells itself kind of thing where blues Blackhawks hasn't really been a right. Like they don't like each other, but it hasn't been a rivalry since like 2016. Yeah. Kind of thing. When was the last time they played in the playoffs? I, I, the I'm pretty sure it was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was 16. It was the year the Hawks were defending champs and the blues beat them. Yeah. That so the last one. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, I don't think the winter classic can be saved. Like you can bitch and moan about this all you want. I just don't think the winter classic can be saved. I, I think it's just a dead event. And credits the NHL. They're they're still trying to make it a money making event, but the cash cow's kind of dry at this point. I think the outdoor game has lost its allure because what now we have four or five outdoor games a year. Yeah, like, you have the two stadium series. You have the Winter Classic. You have the Heritage Classic. Like, I kind of like. Did you see what they did for uh, Minnesota, where they did that hockey day in Minnesota? I. I might have, yeah. Well, they, so they had a hockey day in Minnesota, and they put it in like this small town. I believe it's called like War Road, and like TJ Oshie's from there. Yeah, I know War Road, dog. Yeah, no, but that's where they put it, and that looked like a really cool event because they got everything in there. Minnesota loves hockey, and do it in a small town. Like Wrigley Field is cool, but you've already done it there. Do right, it somewhere like, like different. I really think they should they should bring back the lakes. Like what what we did in the COVID season with the abs and Vegas. Other than other than them not knowing the sun would affect the ice. Right. Not other than them not knowing that the flaming ball of plasma bleeding onto the ice would cause some problems. Honestly, I I wouldn't hate that. I think you should have the winter classic. I think you should honestly you should have one of those. That's just cool. You have a it can maybe house like a hundred people at most. It's a small event just going straight back to the roots. I think that accomplishes the goal that the winter classic was initially trying to bring back of bringing hockey outdoors. Cause they, at a certain point you do the winter classic and you ask the players like, Oh, what's, what is, what's it like to, to be outside again? Their answer is always the same. Like I didn't play on ponds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I played in training. It's facilities. not 1950 anymore. Like yeah. there's a lot of state of the art ice arenas pretty much everywhere in America now. Right. Whereas just <laughs> like that, that allure isn't there anymore at least with ponds you get the those amazing views yep like the, what they did on lake placid was on the tahoe. tahoe i i said placid and i meant tahoe and i i do that every it is the 20 year anniversary of miracle coming out of the movie right so right cool. it's coming some slack yeah lake tahoe i have the sweatshirt literally right there that says tahoe. yeah i have my i have my banner hanging up from it yeah you know what can save winter classic and it's the one game a year it happens doc emmerich's on the call yeah just, that fixes it right there. I'll watch if Doc Emmerich's calling the game. You no, know, you know who had a good suggestion? Raj had a good suggestion where he's like, inevitably, the NHL is going to embrace the in-season tournament. Yes. Where the NBA, the in-season tournament, I don't know how well it did. I assume it did pretty well. It, it was it was different. I'm yeah, interested was, to see how it goes next year. Like yeah. it was fun to see like some teams that like the Pacers who aren't gonna win an NBA championship anytime soon, they were playing for the in-season tournament champion. Like that meant a lot for them. So right. So just the kind of thing, like inevitably the NHL is going to embrace that eventually just because it'll make sense. And they're a league that's always going to be four to five years behind. The final game 
should be the Winter Classic. It's at a neutral location. It's already set up. And the two teams that make it to the final of the in-season tournament, they play outdoors. I, I thought that was at least a way better suggestion. I like that idea. I think that's fun, at least. And it kind of gives kind of gives a extra bonus to it. I, I could see like the NHL being like, well, we're not going to get the hometown fans. Like if you put it in a hockey city, like just fucking do it in Minnesota every time. And yeah. it'll sell put, out every put single up, time. Put it up in Toronto. You'll fucking yeah. sell it out. Like it's, it's fine. Put it in Buffalo or whatever. Like it'll sell it'll out. Sell it. It'll sell it it's a good time. if it's a good matchup, it'll sell if you're good at doing your fucking job and marketing, it'll sell out. Right. You know? Like most things at the NHL is like, oh, this and that. Like I don't know. If you guys are just better at doing your job and selling your own product, then this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think there's been enough there's gonna be enough complaining about this one coming up when they announce it that I do think the 2026 one, I think the Avs will host it. And I think it's going to be at Folsom Field in Boulder. I th- I think the uh, honestly they might get the Stadium Series next year. Like I think they're overdue for one. I think it's inevitable that just with where they are in terms of their cup window and where they've been year over year and constantly a cup contender, it just makes sense for them to get another one here in the yeah. very near future. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the the Stadium Series. It, I would prefer it to be a Winter Classic because again I don't think the Stadium Series should exist, but. They yeah. did bring up a good point. Someone said hosted it in Boulder, and I was like, yeah, that would kick ass. Have you seen Folsom Field? Like pictures of it where CU in, plays? I've seen it. I've seen pictures. I haven't been there in person, but that's all. Oh, Netflix. dude, it's actually like the flat irons are just right behind. It's one of the most beautiful stadiums in Colorado. And it, you do bring up a good point. For as good as the abs are, the fact that they've only played in three outdoor games and one was during a COVID shortened season is ridiculous. Because at this point, Chicago had played in what, six? Washington yeah, I think this is like their four or five. Seven. Yeah, the Caps have been in one, two, three, four outdoor games. Yeah. Penguins were in a ton. Like Bruins. As good as the Avs are, they do kind of get gypped on this. Yeah. I mean, and they're also a city that can host a winter classic because, you know, Tampa, Florida can't really do that. But, you know, Denver gets pretty cold in January. You know, you don't have to worry about ice quality all that much most of the time. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect, it's, it's a natural fit. Yeah. Perfect example in Colorado is uh, we got like 10 inches of snow on Sunday and it's been 60 degrees the past two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just Colorado, man. Yeah, that's what happened on the East Coast, except it went up to 70 after it snowed Oof. there. So Yeah, that's hell. That's hell. Yeah. Fuck that. You couldn't, you couldn't see anything on the yeah. road for like five days. There was so much fog. It was ridiculous. Fuck that shit, dude. Yeah, I'm good. Um. Yeah, that's enough Winter Classic talk. We'll close it out. The All-Star game happened. Yeah. Yeah, happened. I, I really don't have anything to say about the yeah. All-Star game. It was really funny, the fact that Team McKinnon blew a lead. <laughs> Two empty net goals. Dude, leave it to Kirill Kaprizov. Of course, yeah. a wild player. Ruins it for everyone by not being able to get that puck out. And you know what? Georgiev would have stopped those in the shootout. Yeah. I'll say that. He would have. He would have. Rick Bonus doesn't know how to coach. Yeah, it was. It, I don't know. It was an All Star game. I don't really have anything to complain about. I, I thought the gameplay was actually pretty. good. I thought the goaltenders actually did a lot better than I thought they would. Yeah, like the goaltenders actually played pretty well. As a whole, this All Star game and All Star weekend was miles better than the last two because it, it wasn't trying too hard. 
It right. just kind of let them do their thing. The skills competition outside of Kucherov, who fucking mailed it in as we were. Oh, watching. dude, I've never seen oh. like the Internet unite so much as they did. It just being like, fuck Nikita Kucherov. Like, why is he even in this? Right. <laughs> he he does just, not want to be here. It, like, you know how much you have to not be trying at the All-Star game for everyone to be like, wow, he's not trying at the right. All-Star game kind right. of thing. Or it was just like at a certain point, like you're you are here. And there are guys who didn't get to compete in this. Like, if you don't want to, because you got to compete, right? If you didn't want to do this, like Sebastian Ajo or Tom Wilson would have been more than happy to take your place and try to get a shot at a million dollars, kind of thing. There's people here watching. Like, I I thought it was funny. I'm not one of those people that was just like disgrace to the game. game. No, it was funny. Just it was it was hilarious. It was so funny. But even still, like I get I get the 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 moaning about it even still and I, I thought it was entertaining at least i appreciate the fact that they turned it into somewhat of a competition i like seeing mckinnon win a couple and mccarr win a couple of course mcdavid won i don't think that's a surprise to anyone I mean, my favorite part of these competitions is when someone just absolutely fucks up where you oh dude be- dry doing the accuracy that was the most painful thing to watch it, it, it was, was 45 just- seconds and he was actually trying most of it. i'll give dry credit but that was just brutal to watch. It was brutal. so, I mean, he could not hit them to save his life. No. And like, once you hit 30 seconds and most people are done in 20, he, his shoulders are sagging. Like, oh my God, get me yeah, out of here. Get me out of here. I think they should just have a time limit. If it's over 30, just stop. No, no time limit. You're, you you're, there, until, you're there until you're done. <laughs> it's so. I like that. And also, I mean, Barzell could not hit the nets on the the obstacle course challenge he's just they ran out of pucks at certain yep. point to bring in more those are my favorite parts every year there's at least one or two guys that just on one of the challenges just can't do it and it's so funny that's leon dreisaitl that can't I, I do honestly think I, wouldn't you just be fine like just do the skills and then that's it we don't need a game yeah the skills like, is is more fun there's more memeable moments you can pull out of right it. the the all-star game itself honestly i didn't watch it i was making a, a mean pair of ribs the entire time yeah, you didn't miss much man after mckinnon lost i, I kind of caved it in it, it it was it was background noise i mean not to toot my own horn here too much but i made a, a rack of ribs never made ribs before in my life nailed them smoker oh no just straight in the oven and I nailed them first try better yep. than better than any restaurant rib I have ever had in my life. I I miss, I missed the the next two games. You're gonna be mad at me at this. I missed the the Tate McRae performance because I was I was locked. That's all right, man. I was it's locked in. For everyone. I was for everyone. So, okay. I was so proud of myself. You should be. You should be. It, th- that was the highlight for me. Was was the Tate McRae show. Um, I did realize after I had tweeted about Tate McRae for nothing for two straight weeks. Uh, yeah, probably, I think if you had one more, I was going to text you and be like, hey, bud. Yeah. This is yeah. a convention. I realized it. I was like, okay. All right. I had yeah. my fun. I was and- I would, I was planning to load up the essay, my thesis that I wrote on, on parasociality and uh, have a little conversation with you. About yeah, it. I was just trying to get it into the world. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm happy that like this is the All-Star game we leave. Like now that there's not going to be one next year. I'm happy with the memories of this one. I thought it went better than expected. Yeah, we I, talked a lot of shit about it. I thought it went better than expected. The, I mean, there's a couple of things to iron out, but this, for the first time, I feel like you have something you can work with. Yes. In terms of All Star Weekend, make the draft less awkward, and just 
focus on the skills competition. The game is whatever. No one really cares. And it's just, it should be inoffensive, no skits, no bits, no over the top, stupid skills competition stick or anything like that like the one in vegas where they're shooting in the fountain yeah i think that's what they did really well in this one like the only challenge i really didn't like in the skills was the passing one and i just think it's because they didn't explain the rules well enough to the players yeah, i think that was work. really confused and also like i just thought it took really long for yes. the challenges i thought it just okay we're still going on this one but it's just like small little things like for the first time i wasn't like oh this is unbearable and i can't watch like i was i i was like okay i want mccar to win now now that we're here in the final yeah. stage like i was Fixed like okay. the point system a little bit too i thought the point system was a little wonky yeah, and like, but, I, but i also liked the concept it was like guys are getting eliminated there's a yep. cutoff line kind of thing you're not just blindly throwing them out there like dude, for the first time i was like okay that that wasn't that bad yeah that was that was tolerable and for an all-star game that might as well be 10 out of 10 yeah and who knew Kale McCarr had that type of slap shot in him? I did not. 102 miles now. And also, and also just to the point of all-star games in general, they suck. They suck in every sport. Like you, even the, the Pro Bowl. Did not watch. Did not, I did love football not. more than anything. Did not watch. I've Even the players that were there, I can tell you, did not watch the game. They did not care. Whatsoever. Your Ravens players looked like they had a good time. I have no comment on that. <laughs> It's just one of those things. I think that's just mean to have those guys go there. Like they just suffered the most heartbreaking defeat, and now they have to go out there and be fun. It's the the only sport where they set it up for the week before the Super Bowl. So no matter what, you're like, I don't want to be here. Yep. Like the NHL, middle of the season. NBA, middle of the season. Baseball's the middle of the season. Like it's a it's a point in the calendar. It's like okay, All Star break. Now we get ready for the playoffs. In football, it's like, oh, you lost in the AFC Championship. You want to go to Orlando next week instead of going to the Super Bowl? It's not even Hawaii anymore, which was like, I'd go to Hawaii, but Orlando? Like, come yeah. on. Because Didn't the Ravens lead the league in players there? They had a lot there, and Lamar didn't even go. I mean, they had Hamilton, Queen, Roquan Smith, Kevin Zeitler. Who am I missing? And there's more than that that I just can't. Yeah. Kind of makes you wonder how they lost. Yeah, really does. <laughs> Still fresh wounds. I'm sorry. Jesus, um, it's not. It, Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. I have to, yeah, I have to live with like, this every day. This is literally my life that I have to deal with this every day. Like I, I don't. This is my safe space. I don't need this. It is a safe space. I the Super Bowl. We'll talk more about on on Friday. Oh, we won't. I haven't been this not excited for a Super Bowl. I think in my lifetime. Yeah. So therefore, there's not much to talk about with it on Friday. I do not care. Yeah, I mean, I'll still watch, obviously, because I'm not a lunatic. But, yeah, I I haven't consumed any of the media with it. I haven't done anything. And it's in Vegas, which looks like, honestly, like I think they should just have every event in Vegas. Like, yeah. it seems to be a good time, man. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Dude, you don't even drink or you can't gamble. Like, that's the whole point. Of oh, going what? So I can't enjoy being in Vegas for the Super Vegas is the one place you go where you just drink and gamble. And those are two things you don't do. It'd still be fucking cool. <laughs> no, dude. You'd be like, this town fucking sucks, bro. I bro, love if we, I'm sorry. If we won the Super Bowl, you think I'm just going to be a fucking wallflower 
in a Vegas club. Give me a break. Well, no, I don't think you would, but like I, I've been around you enough in public settings where it's like you, you were you're around like, me like three times. Yeah, you're like you like you'll have a drink, but you're not just trying to like drink for fun. I mean, I'd I also I'd also be at work. Like it can't just be just like, chugging beers on a Wednesday. I'd still have to work. Oh, dude, Vegas is the best, man. I I may go out there for the draft, the NHL draft, just to yeah. go to Vegas. Probably probably sounds like a lot of fun. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah. It's gonna be go to the sphere and just drink my life. No, I'm kidding. It'll it, Vegas sounds like it would kick ass. And yeah, I I don't even know where else I'd want to go for like a a big event. They should do the wear classic in Vegas. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> Literally just, play pond hockey. Yeah, <laughs> just, just give Vegas more shit. They deserve it. Yeah, I mean, it would be fun. I, think, I also do. I also think it's funny that we just never did anything in Vegas for like a hundred years in sports, and the Golden Knights came here, and now like everything is in Vegas. Yeah, the NHL was a pioneer. Yeah, it's the only thing really the NHL has ever gotten right is just putting a team in Vegas. Yeah, and pretty much every sport except the NBA has a team in Vegas, and that'll be happening shortly. That'll, that'll be, be changing very quickly. Very quickly. Um, I was gonna send you this. It was really like I felt bad watching it. And it made me feel weird because there's definitely gambling is one of the, it's like a hot issue topic when it comes to sports. There was a outside the lines thing I was watching on sports center last night. And it was like the target demographic of main sports gambling is ages 21 to 29 males. And it's like, well, no fucking shit, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you expect? And then it's just like all these people, like they showed up like a frat group and they were like, yeah, we gamble every day. It's fucking sick. <laughs> like all these ones. And then they have an anonymous person being like, I lost $20,000 in two days. And it's like, well, you're a fucking idiot, bro. Like, yeah. Well, first of all, you're a quitter because yeah. we're one spin away from generational wealth. Well, it's just the sports gambling. And it was like, it you're, was really look, weird because you're one leg closer. Every, yeah. every leg you add to that parlay, you're one step closer. Right. You're, and, you're, you're one bet away. From winning a million kajillion dollars. This is not betting advice. This is a joke. Please. It's don't. not betting advice. Like gamble responsibly. We're sponsored by one of the biggest sports books in the world and DraftKings. It's it's one of those things. It's just like with drinking and smoking weed. Do it responsibly. Like I was just watching that and I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen ESPN produce. And ESPN's produced a lot of stupid shit. And I'm just watching it and being like, and then the next commercial break was about ESPN bet. I was gonna say, was the next commercial ESPN bet? Yes. And I was just like, this was the most pointless report of all time. But yeah, I'm going to violate our contract a little bit here and say, DraftKings, get the goddamn Kevin Hart commercials off of my screen. I'm so done with them. Well, who they just, they just signed LeBron. So you're going to get LeBron instead. Whatever. Hey, DraftKings, you're throwing all this money out to LeBron. Give us some more at THPM. We're obviously the best. Right. Jeez, like, man. Have I ever missed an ad read? Yeah. Come on. We never do. We drive thousands of people to DraftKings. Come on. Uh, just give us some money. Or, uh, well, for me, you can just throw it in my gambling just, account. Not, not even just DraftKings. Brands. Yeah. To me. Talk, Talk to us. Give us money. We'd appreciate yeah. it. You know, your investment. We'll read the shit well, out of those ads. Yeah. That people your investment will, just skip will be over. well rewarded. You know, people skip over the ads anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The show can be 90% ads. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was just 90% ads? Oh, that'd be crazy. Um, but we've rambled on for 20 minutes now, not talking about abs hockey. Let's end this episode before we talk for another 40. Yeah, well, too late. It's already gone off the rails at this point. So might, yeah. might as well wrap it up here. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. 
You can use promo code TELEDABSITIS on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at TELETABSITIS. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Avs.